Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the TR90 Body Burn 30 support call. This call happens Monday at Friday and through Friday at this time, which for me is 6.40 Pacific Time, 7.40 Mountain Time, 8.40 Central Time, and 9.40 Eastern Time. Thrilled to have you along with us this morning. And welcome to the call. When you're first starting out on, oh, so, if you ever miss these calls, you can pick them up on an application called SoundCloud or wherever you get your podcasts through by putting in Frank, F-R-A-N-K, Wellness, L-O-M-A-S, and PR90, or Frank Wellness and Solutions, the digit for anti-aging, and these calls will pop up. They're now archived back more than 11 years, and it, that's a really fabulous thing. If, you have, if you're listening to this and it's a podcast and you wish to catch us live, if you dial into 712-775-8972 and when it prompts for the code, put in 910022, you can join us live and we would be thrilled to have you along with us. As I said, I'm Susan Mann out of Portland, Oregon, welcoming you to the PR90 Body Burn 30 support call. And... When you're first starting out, it's a really good clean lean meal a day, two shakes a day, three snacks a day, 30 grams of protein and at least three of those meals. Taking your supplement 15 to 20 minutes before a meal is best, but if you're not able to do that, do take it with your meals. It will still work. It's just not quite as super effective as it would be if you were able to take it 15 to 20 minutes beforehand. 30 minutes of moderate to heavy exercise, five days a week. That does that helps build your muscle mass, which actually drives the engines, which is the mitochondria in your cells, to uh, build muscles. And that and building muscles is really a good thing to do on this program. Seven plus servings of fruits and vegetables every single day. Those fruits and vegetables will be giving you macronutrients, micronutrients, and fiber, both soluble and insoluble fiber. We need a to- guys need a total of 45 grams of fiber daily. Ladies, we need 32 grams of fiber daily for good digestive health. Um, that fiber does a lot of different things, but it also helps in maintaining your weight, and several other things as we'll be getting into in a little bit. Drinking plenty of water to stay hydrated. The current thinking is at least one ounce of water for every two pounds you weigh. So if you weigh 100 pounds, you should be drinking 50 ounces of water daily. Now, if you're in a humid area or you're exercising really heavily, you'll need to increase that to offset what you're losing in body moisture. but I trust that you know how to do that. Seven to nine hours of good quality sleep a night. That clears out toxins while you're sleeping, helps get you set up for making really good decisions the next day because if you're operating on a sleep deficit, it's like having one to two drinks of alcohol and it can impair your judgment without you even realizing it. And that really is an important key to this. And I think I have covered all the basics of that that program. Today I'm sharing some information out of a book that is called Back Chance, 
beating the odds against sugar, processed food, obesity, and disease. It was written by Robert H. Lustig, M.D., M.S.L. And as I said, the other half of the antidote for the metabolic syndrome is exercise. The first half of the uh, first half of the antidote is the fiber, and we're going to be jumping into more about why exercise is really key in our program as well as in maintaining weight. So the ex to explain energy expenditure, we're going to assume a 2,000 calorie intake and a 2,000 calorie output for an average person. This value comes both from observation and from the Harris-Benedict equation, a guesstimate used by dietitians to generate dietary plans for individual patients. Everyone equates energy expenditure with exercise. Your aerobics instructor will yell at you, feel the burn. Burning, it means burning it. In point fact, physical activity is the minority of energy expenditure, accounting for anywhere from 5%, the ultimate couch potato, to a, which is at about 100 calories, to 35%, the gym rat at about 700 calories of total energy expenditure based on the level and degree of activity. While physical activity may not account for the largest percentage of energy expenditure, it is the only component that will improve your health. The more you do, the better. There are two other components. It might seem hard to believe but the largest percentage of your calories burned is while sleeping and watching TV. But this does not mean that you should increase your hours on Facebook or World of Warcraft. Resting energy expenditure, or REE, the energy you burn while lying on the sofa, accounts for about 60% or 1,200 calories per day of total energy expenditure and it is dependent on your size, and is usually excluded from concern. Lastly, a process called the thermic effect of food, or the TEF, the energy you burn to absorb, digest, and metabolize your, the food you eat, accounts for about 10% or 200 calories. While it's true that, for the most part, the REE and the TEF are not easy to change in most people, it should be noted that some patients with obesity exhibit problems with each. And there are some tricks to increase that resting, um, the REE, and to a lesser extent, the TEF. So your resting energy expenditure. Reading libel at at Columbia University in 2004 was quoted as saying, obese people tell me all the time they eat very little, they eat like a bird. Well, maybe a pterodactyl, yet Rudy himself showed that in response to weight loss, REE declines commensurate with the number of pounds lost, working to keep your weight stable. Don't blame your exercise regime, blame your biochemistry. 
while you're burning more energy by going to the Zumba class, your REE is going to thwart you by evening out your overall percentage. Fat cells want to remain filled. They aren't going away without a fight. And in response to the decline in either the leptin synthesis or the leptin signaling, which the hypothalamus interprets as starvation, the REE, or that resting energy expenditure, is reduced from 50 calories per kilogram and fat-free of fat-free mass to 42 calories per kilogram of fat-free mass, or the improvement in energy efficiency of 16%, resulting in a decrease of total energy expenditure of 0.16 times 0.65, or 10%, assuming that the standard adult 2,000 calorie intake that's a decrease of 200 calories, which easily rivals the increase in caloric intake that has been observed in the past 30 years. Furthermore, there are patients that have specific reductions in REE as part of their general pathology. As REE accounts for the majority of energy expenditure, this is the greatest predictor of weight gain. Children with certain forms of developmental delay are born with a lack of muscle tone called hypotonia and are, quote, floppy at birth. The children are with various forms of mitochondrial dysfunction. For instance, Crater-Willy syndrome burn energy at rest about 60 to 70% of normal. This means they need fewer calories but that means a lower leptin, and their brain will start jacking up the caloric intake. The TEF, or the thermic effect of food, you have to put energy in to get energy out. Chewing, moving food through the GI tract, absorbing and processing food will burn some of the energy. TEF usually accounts for 10% or 200 calories per day. <laughs> all of the energy burned, all, many obese children are not hungry when they awaken, in part because many of them had a big snack or a meal just before bedtime. So their body's degree of energy burning is not ratcheted up prior to their departure for school. This is one reason among many that eating breakfast is important for prevention and treatment of obesity, especially in children. Not eating breakfast has many other disadvantages. It means not performing well on tasks because of the distraction due to the lack of food. Not eating breakfast means the stomach hormone ghrelin, which conveys the signal for hunger, is not suppressed throughout the morning. Obese people rationalize not breakfast by saying, that it's one less meal's worth of calories. That couldn't be further from the truth. Numerous studies show that people who skip breakfast eat more during during daylight hours, and in part because ghrelin rises 
the high levels. This leads to the overconsumption of calories at lunch, dinner, and prior to bedtime, all driving further obesity. Even though oxidation of fat liberates a lot of energy, a little bit of energy is spent making it work. Another way to take advantage of the TEF or that thermal effect is to consume some form of protein at breakfast. Burning protein costs more energy than burning other food stuff. Protein does not stimulate insulin to the same extent as the carbohydrates do and increases satiety better than other nutrients. So consuming some protein at breakfast is smart and very defensible practice. People who eat veggie omelets at breakfast are way less hungry at lunchtime. Finally, physical activity can be completely sedentary or you can be the Olympic swimmer Michael Phelps. The range of energy expenditure by physical activity that humans can achieve is quite remarkable, tops perhaps only by now how many calories can be eaten. Phelps eats everything in sight on the order of about 1, 000, uh, 10, 12,000 calories per day. As hard as he works, he doesn't expend 12,000 calories in physical activity. Even marathon runners don't burn that kind of energy. <laughs> The Cleveland Clinic Center for Consumer Health <coughs> estimates that a 130-pound runner will burn 2,224 calories during a marathon. A 165-pound runner will burn 2,822 calories. And a 210-pound runner will burn 3,593 calories. As Phelps can eat anything he wants, he doesn't gain weight. It's because exercise increases the number of mitochondria in the form <coughs> excuse me, of increased muscle. And increased muscle means that you burn more energy at rest. So Michael Phelps has a higher REE than you do. That's why exercise is good because it builds muscle and muscle burns energy even at rest. Physical activity is the most understood aspect of, ob of obesity medicine. People think they, if they exercise, they will lose weight. It's a pipe dream. Most of the studies of exercise for obesity in children are free-range community interventions and use either weight or BMI as their outcome. And no amount of exercise is going to change BMI, a body measurement size, because BMI is the wrong outcome. In the absence of environmental control, caloric intake will increase to meet the shortfall. Remember, your subcutaneous fat can actually be good for you. But as discussed earlier, the target of exercise is muscle and bone. And I think we'll stop there and we'll jump into tomorrow what exercise really does. At the top of the hour, if you scoot over to Facebook One Team Global Live, one of our leaders will be sharing some information on new skin and how to build a business. With that, this is Susan Mann for 
the 9th of February. Signing out. I welcome any thoughts or comments you may have. So, my friends, that's why it's important to exercise, to build that muscle mass. Really important, which is another reason why that 30 grams of protein at at least three of the meals is really important, too, because that helps to build that muscle mass as well, because it gives you the building blocks. If there's no other thoughts or comments, I'm going to let everybody go, and we'll see you back here tomorrow. Hope you have a great day. And if you get a chance, get outside and enjoy the fresh air. Do so.